loves you. He just has an unusual way of showing it. Circumstantial? Or is God intervening? Uh, Divine interruptions and uncomfortable circumstances are exactly what happens all over the Christmas story. You read it, Mary, the shepherds, the magi, Zechariah, in our story today, you're going to see divine interruptions all over. And with each appearance, the soul feels its worth. Come back with me to December of 1976. Uh, My mom was driving a Pinto station wagon. Remember those? She was in our hometown of Novato on Grant Avenue, and she was at a stoplight. And unbeknownst to her, and those of you who know Pintos, this is going to be a shock to you, her Pinto was on fire. True story. Now, a man across the street runs towards the car to get her attention, and you know what my mom does as her rescuer comes to the car? She pulls away from the car and locks the door. Want to know what was going through her mind? I'm being carjacked. Someone's trying to kidnap me. Nothing good is going to happen if I let him at me or in this car. i got to get out of here. And all the time, he's trying to save her. So she hits the gas. Remember, her car's on fire. She doesn't know it. And uh, she goes about two feet There's a pop and smoke starts coming through the vents of the Pinto. And then you want to know what she does? She unlocks the door and opens it and lets the man rescue her from the car. She's thinking, oh my gosh, I need saving and he's my rescuer. He didn't come to hurt me. He's actually risking his life to save me. By the way, that Christmas, mom got a brand new Ford Fairmont station wagon. It wasn't the first time someone ran into danger to rescue my mom. 2,000 years ago, her ultimate rescuer, Jesus, came to earth to save her and us from ourselves. We're trying to lay a few things uh, together this Christmas. We're trying to lay a real-life story of, of Kiki and running away from God. And can you run too far from God to where he doesn't love you? We're trying to lay the Matthew account of the Christmas story into our Christmas season. Matthew follows Joseph. Luke follows Mary. So we're looking at it from Joseph's standpoint. And then we're we're using my favorite Christmas carol, where uh, the line, O Holy Night, uh, taking a line every week and laying it into the Christmas story. Let's read the text in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. And let's look at this. And we're looking at the line today, Till he appeared... And the soul felt its worth. That should thrill us. Verse 20. But an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. By the way, Joseph had four dreams. Did you know that? An angel appeared to Joseph four times throughout the birth and life of Jesus. He said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, Joseph, the embryo didn't come from a human father. The embryo came from a heavenly father. And he's going to let you, this heavenly father, the angel's going to say, adopt that baby. She'll give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he'll save his people from their sins. All this takes place 
took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they'll call him, and here's the one-word sermon we're going to spend the rest of our time on. Let's say it together. We've already said it like six times. They will call him Emmanuel, God with us. That was a game changer for Joseph. That one word, one name, Emmanuel, changed everything for him. And his soul felt its worth. That one word can change everything for us, too. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you, and I thank you so much that you are Emmanuel. That you are God with us. As we look at this name, as we look at who you are, uh, human words can't describe the eternal, the infinite Holy One. That's why we need your Holy Spirit. So please guide us now. Illuminate your word and open our hearts. Change our lives. We pray it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. That one word is actually three words in English. Uh, God with us. It interprets it right there in the text. And every one of those words has power to fill you with hope. Let's look at who this Jesus is. And let's take this one word at a time. Open to page two. And let's look at Emmanuel. Here's the first. God with us. Let's focus on God. Everyone, I need your best attention right now. The simple meaning of Christmas is that the creator king of the universe became a human being. That's the message of Christmas. Everything else is secondary. Nothing about Christianity makes sense if you don't understand this first point. Uh, Matthew wrote his gospel to primarily a Jewish audience. And in his biography, to the Jewish mind, he knew the Jewish mind had absolutely no concept then, nor do Jews today, that the infinite, eternal God would inhabit a human body. It is completely unthinkable to the Jews back then as it is today. It was ludicrous. Uh, we are, uh, I go to Israel periodically and was there last spring with some of you. It was a great trip. Our guide is an incredible Jewish man. He knows God's word, both Old and New Testament, more than most followers of Christ I know. He's amazing. And we were sitting down and I was trying to share with him why I believe that Jesus is God. And we were having a dinner in Jerusalem and Tal in his Jewish accent said this. It just brings out the uncertainty and complexity for the Jewish mind of God inhabiting the human body. He said, Gary, you know the Hebrew scriptures. Anytime God appeared on planet Earth, and for the Jew, all they have is the Hebrew scriptures, right? Anytime God appeared near the planet Earth and drew near to the Earth, it was always terrifying for humans. God appeared to Abraham. How? And I'm going, oh, how did he appear? Oh, yes, a smoking furnace. Yes, God appeared to Israel. How? A pillar of fire. Yes, God appeared to Job. How? A hurricane, a tornado. Yes, he says. Do you remember when he came on Mount Sinai? What was told to the Jews when God appeared on Mount Sinai? He's drilling me, right? And I go, "Uh, no one could touch the mountain. Yes, because he's so holy. If anyone touched the mountain when God touched down, they would die. When God asked Moses to see his face, what did, when Moses asked God to see his face, Todd went on, what did they say? What did, Moses, uh, what did God say to Moses? I go, well, ah, oh, you can't see my face and live. Yes, 
He said, and what happened after that? Well, Moses saw his heels, basically, and it so transformed him, they had to put a veil over his face because he was shining with such radiance. Moses, and and Tal's leading me down this argument. He says, yes. And then he leaned across the table and he said, you mean to tell me that God became an embryo? See, Tal couldn't get his mind around it. And honestly, it's hard to. But look at what the scripture says. The Bible tells us in a hundred different ways, all through Jewish authors, this is the mystery, an amazing thing of how God came to earth. Look, I listed, I'm not going to go through all of these. We could take the next hour, and it would be glorious if we did, going through these. Do it on your own. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was what? God. Now, down verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Paul, the apostle Paul, Colossians 2, verse 9, for in Christ, he says, all, keyword, the fullness of deity, not 10%, not 2%, not 1%, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter wrote this. He said, A servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Who am I writing to? Through those, through, who? Through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Peter called Jesus God. Thomas worshipped Jesus as God. Throughout his life, he received worship as God. This is amazing. This should come as no shock to most of us. But I need to remind us, this is God come to earth. Why does this matter? Let's go back last week to the famous prophecy in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Let me speak it over you. It's not on the slides. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. A son is born. See, there's great theology right here. A child is born. A son is given by God. And the government will be on his shoulders... And he will be called, and here's the titles of this baby, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty what? God. Everlasting Father. How is a child a father? Prince of Peace, literally the Czar of Shalom. You know what the word in Hebrew, Mighty God, means? You're going to love this. Hero God. Hero God. Think about our culture. Think of how much we long for heroes. Think of how many millions and millions of dollars are spent every Sunday in the fall watching football games. Think of the Marvel, and I'm not down on football games, okay? It's not a statement. Think of the Marvel movie Empire, and all the movies are coming out about heroes. We long for heroes. And way back, hundreds of years before Jesus came, in Isaiah 9, it, God said, there is a child that's going to be born. He's the hero God. Come to save the day. Oh, here's what's thrilling about this. Jesus being God come to earth. You know what that means for me? There's hope. Where do I need, I just review, where do I need God to intervene in heroic measures in my life? And I need God in heroic measures in my life. I'm, de- I'm not just fleeing faith. Sometimes I wish I wasn't a pastor so that you could really believe my words one-on-one as opposed to coming from a pastor. 
I am more desperate today than I was the day I received Christ for God to move in my life in character. I do not have the love that God requires of me to give to my wife. I do not have the love God requires of me to love my daughters. I do not have the unconditional love to love my neighbors. I do not have the faith to believe God to move in mighty ways in this city and in the world. I get discouraged and sometimes I think the darkness is winning, especially when I look at the headlines and the news and what's going on around the world. I am desperate for a hero to come and intervene. And I have hope today because he's God with us. Where do you need God in heroic measures in your life? Where? What is the habit in your life? I haven't even gotten to my character. <laughs> you want to know about my character issues where I need a hero? That I, you know, after 52 years, I still do that same thing? I can't change it. I need God to do it. But I have hope that I am being changed. And then you know when I most need a hero? And you do too? On death's door. When I face something that every one of us is going to face, an unknown, none of us have been there, but all of us will be. That's when we all need a hero. He is God with us. But it doesn't end there. And by the way, all your neighbors need that, and that's why you have an invite in your insert, uh, in your sermon notes. And I think these, I had nothing to do with this, so I can say this. I think these look fantastic. And they represent what you're going to experience that night. And um, I would just ask you to hold on to these, grab more in the back, and ask God, who needs a hero? Bring me along. Let me invite them to join me on Christmas Eve. Amen? Okay. So he's God, but it doesn't end there. He's God with us. And this was very hard for Kiki and Renee in the video to get their mind around. In other words, as Renee said, it's unusually unusual. It's not the incarnation concept of God coming to earth that's hard to grasp alone. It's the fact that he came to be with us moral rebels. The us, the with us. Uh, many of you know the name Charlie Scanlon. Uh, he's a pastor down at Menlo Church, and he uh, had an experience where he had the opportunity years ago to buy one share of a company, uh, and this company was purchased by Warren Buffett. So Warren comes, comes, uh, comes to town and has a meeting with shareholders. And Charlie has one share in this company. And so he goes to the meeting. And at the party, Charlie comes over and introduces himself to Warren Buffett. And says, hello, Mr. Buffett. I own one whole, and you, if you know him, you can just see him saying this. I own one whole share in your company. Buffett leaned in and says this to Charlie Scanlon. Between you and me, we control this whole outfit. God with us. Isn't that exactly what Jesus came to say to you and me? Between you and me, all authority on heaven and earth has been given. I'll do the heavy lifting, but I've come to be with you and don't miss this. Oh, this is so good. And let you in on the family business. Together, let's do something supernatural. I love that. I love that. Luke 12, 32, it's, in, it's not in your notes, but it should be. It says this, don't be afraid, little flock. Your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. 
He's God with us. That means that through Jesus Christ, we can know and enjoy God personally without terror. Do you understand what the ancient Israelites of the Old Testament right now would be doing if they could come and stand on this platform? Do you understand what Moses would be doing right now as I'm preaching this? He'd be jumping up and down going, do you understand what this means? I couldn't even see the face of God. And you have an intimate relationship with him. Do you understand what the Jews would be doing right now? We couldn't even touch Mount Sinai. And you know him personally. Do you understand? We couldn't even speak the name Yahweh unless we break one of the Ten Commandments. So we changed the name to Jehovah so we wouldn't ever take the Lord's name in vain lest we die on the spot. And you call him Abba? Daddy? The Old Testament saints would be jumping up and down going, why are you thrilled with this? Why doesn't this make your day? Why don't you wake up each day going, ah, I get to be with God today. We're on a mission today. Doors are going to open for me today. Between him and me, we own this city. I'm like you. I just sit in my pews and just go, oh, there's Gadini jumping like an idiot. Why not? Really, why not? If he's God with us, why not? The incarnation didn't just happen to let us know that God exists, men and women. It happened to bring him near so that he can be with us and we can be with him. What does this mean? Let me show you another place in Scripture where the with is used with Jesus. In Mark chapter 3, verse 14, that's in your notes, it says this, He appointed the twelve that they might be, what? With him. From this text, from the Gospels, we learn what with means. Just what the disciples experience, we get to experience. Jesus' presence. We get to converse with Jesus. We get to enjoy Jesus. We get to learn with Jesus. We get to experience his presence moment by moment, just like the disciples did. Oh, wait. We get it better than the disciples did. Did you ever think about that? You have an advantage better than the disciples. Why? What did Jesus say in the upper room? It's to your advantage I'm going away. Because I'm going to send my spirit to be in you. We don't get just to converse with Jesus. We have Jesus inside us. And we have this promise in your notes. Look at top of page three. Jesus said, I will never... You know, in the, the original language, it's repeated three times. Did you know that? Here's how it literally reads. I will never, never, never leave you. I will never, never, never forsake you. Now, I'm grieving this Christmas in an unexpected way. You know, my dad died in May, and it was a long death with Alzheimer's and... Um, yeah, I thought I grieved along the way, uh, but the grief is hitting me in a fresh new way this Christmas season, really hitting me. And last week I listened to the podcast of Janet's excellent message, and uh, for me I'm just clinging to everlasting Father as a character of God. Uh, what, what compounds the grief was my dad instilled in us family as a key value in our lives. And he always told me, I, we drove miles together in the car, and dad always said this, um, family will never let you down, Gary. Family will always be there for you. Always. And here I am for the first time in 52 years. My dad's not there for me. 
And I wish I could just say to him, Dad, um, you weren't right. You were there, you were faithful, but I'm orphaned at 52. And this is just my grief coming out. Thank you for this therapy session. <laughs> Jesus said, I'm your everlasting father. Yes, you're a Gadini, but your primary identity, child of God. And this is what's bringing healing. I will never, never, never leave you. I know I'm looking in the faces. I'm going to look down because I, I will cry because I love you guys so much. But some of you facing Christmas is alone. God is with you in a way that a spouse or a father or a kid never could be. And my prayer is that you experience that kind of intimacy that's rich. Emmanuel, God with, who's the us? Look at this. Very important. It doesn't say God with all, although God loves the world. It says God with us. Who's the us? Is this some exclusive, super moral group of people who somehow earned it? Actually, that's what's tripping up Renee and Kiki and every other uh, unchurched person I interact with. They think God would never want to be with me. One of our pastors, we were in the courthouse square the week after the elections, and uh, someone in the city asked us to lead a prayer meeting, which was awesome, in the middle of the courthouse square on a Sunday night. I think we told you about that. And people were walking by and just came into the prayer meeting. And this woman was talking with one of our pastors, and she said, I just don't understand why God would want to come into all this stuff, planet Earth, with all our, all our stuff, all our moral stuff. She wasn't a church person, but she didn't get it. Why would God come to Earth when there's so much evil on the Earth? Who's the us? Look what Matthew chapter 18, verse 3 says. Look in your notes, everybody. And he said, truly, and don't you know when Jesus says, truly, you can believe him? Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become a little child, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Who did God come to earth to be with? Don't hear what I'm not saying right now. God loves the world. Now, you will never look into the eyes of anybody who's not loved by God. God longs for them to be in relationship with him. Amen? That's why, you know, I'm just telling you, it's, you want an adventure? Keep five of these on you and just ask God for divine appointments throughout your week. And just, you know, letting people know they're loved by God, it's awesome. But if you look at the context, the whole world doesn't receive God's love. And if you look at the Christmas text, you'll see who the us is. Always, 100% of the time, it's the people you least expect. It's the people who share one thing in common. Are you ready? It's the humble. That's worth writing down. I'm not telling you what to do, but I'm just giving a suggestion. <laughs> it's Mary. It's Joseph. It's the shepherds. It's the astrologers. We call them wise men, but they were astrologers. It's Simeon. It's Anna. What do they all have in common? Even though they were from different ethnicities, different cultures, different levels of socioeconomic uh, means, different religious experiences, they had one thing in common, humility. The people who can receive this great Christmas gift are the people who come without credentials, who don't trust 
in their bank accounts or their religious activity or their moral track record. People who never, ever, ever feel entitled but are aware they need a rescue that they can never, ever earn. Uh, my daughter, Elizabeth, is a freshman at the University of Georgia. And uh, as she was going through the college process, uh, it was an eye-opener for us. Uh, the college has changed completely since I went to the Harvard of the West, Sacramento State University. <laughs> um, but the college application process is crazy. What did it take? We went and toured schools. I never did that. The first time I stepped on Sac State's campus was my first day of college. Uh, to move into the dorms. We toured schools, and when she walked on that campus, she just started crying and said, this is it, this is it. She hadn't applied, that was her junior year of college. Here's what we engaged in to, to, to allow her to go to UGA. Uh, it started with an SAT coach, because she needed the right SAT score. This is a REACH school for her, it's called a REACH school. Um, then she had a college admissions coach to help her walk through the admissions process. Uh, then she had to, she was in the IB, International Baccalaureate Program, at Sequoia High School. Uh, she had to get the right GPA. If she didn't, she wouldn't get in. She had to have a well-rounded extracurricular activities because they looked at not just your GPA, but who are you as a person. Uh, she went and visited, and I was on the campus with her. And we saw the admissions counselor. She ran down the admissions counselor and said, Hi, I'm Elizabeth Cadini. Uh, I'm applying here. And we walk, as she walked away, we saw him write her name down and note that she had visited the campus. Uh, and by God's grace, she got in with some scholarship help as well. I'm looking at Deanna because she won a scholarship through an organization that Deanna ran. That wasn't like, I mean, it was blind, right? <laughs> now, why do I tell you this? The natural human inclination is to lean towards this kind of thinking. If there's a God, and if he's personal, if he's holy, and if I could gain access to heaven, which is a reach, I would need a strong ethical GPA. I would need good references. I would need a well-built-out resume of church attendance and service to others. Jesus came to earth to dispel that kind of thinking. Jesus came to earth and his message was, put away your moral GPA. You can never be good enough for me. Put away your good works resume you can't earn a relationship with God. Can I say that again? You can't earn a relationship with God. It is based on works, but it's going to be based, Jesus says, on my works, not your works. The only thing you add to your salvation is the sin that makes me going to the cross necessary. All you need, you ready, is nothing. The us are the people who are humble enough to realize, oh my, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And unless God comes in with rescuing grace and accepts me, I have no other hope of relationship with him. And the soul feels its worth at that moment. When you realize, I've hurt others, I've hurt myself, but Jesus loves me. So what? Here's the so what of today. If he's God with us, all limits are off. The God who spoke 
the universe into existence dwells in us. And there's no excuse, no excuse for us to be hopeless around a moral issue or hopeless around a character issue. We can activate the God of the universe. Can I invite you to believe again? If he's God with us, Christmas is all about realizing God is near. Nearer than you could ever imagine. Everyone, just close your eyes and hear these words. And he wouldn't have it any other way. He loves the sound of your voice. He loves each tear that you cry. He loves your breath. He loves who you're becoming. He delights in the fact that you have the courage to rise each new day and journey along with him. Between you and him, you own the whole outfit. And then if he's God with us, I'm encouraged to put away entitlement in every form of pride and humble myself and run to obedience. We'll see this next week with Joseph. Because God's ways, even if I don't understand them, are the best ways. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Jesus, thank you. How do we even say thank you? How do we even put language to the eternal, infinite truth of this fact, Emmanuel? So much in the name. Thank you for revealing yourself. Now give us the faith. We need you, the faith to believe it and live about it and live from it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. listening to the Peninsula Covenant Church podcast. We're located at 3560 Farm Hill Boulevard in Redwood City, California. You can reach us online at www.peninsulacovenant.com.